Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Our second guest today is Mary Tracy O'Keefe, and our second topic is It Wasn't What I Expected, End of Life Issues. Mary Tracy O'Keefe is the author of Thin Places Where Faith is Affirmed and Hope Dwells and is the co-founder of Well Within, a nonprofit holistic wellness resource center. She is an author, speaker, and spiritual director. Welcome back to the show, Gloria, and welcome to the show, Mary. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Mary. It's, it's great to have you on the show. Hi, Gloria. Hi. You, you know, one of the things we're going to be talking about today is something that we keep getting requests for, which is the loss of adult parents. Mm-hmm. There are so many people who are suffering about the loss of their their adults. I shouldn't say adult parents, of course. The adults losing parents. Yeah. Um, you know, there's just not a lot of validation for that in our society. And uh, I, you wrote your book kind of in response, in places where faith is affirmed, um, in response to your parent, your uh, father's dying, right? Yes. And, then and my mother, uh, less than three months later, yes. Yeah, and less than three months later, your mother passed away. How long has it been? It, it was 2002, so just over six years. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about your uh, dad and, and mom. I will. Thank you for asking. My father uh, was a wonderful funny, loving Irish Catholic uh, who had 10 children in 13 years, and he was just... Uh, oh, my goodness, 10. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not, un- that's not untypical at all for a lot of us in St. Paul, Minnesota, where we have a lot of these large like I said, Irish Catholic families. So we were all very close to each other and also very close to my parents. My, my own father's own father had left his family when my dad was 10, and so I think in an odd way our family benefited from that in that he, he just really made the effort to be very present to us. So what happened with him was uh, in October of 2001, he was having lots of coughs and, and went in for some medical work, and the doctors found something suspicious, and he did not want to go in for further testing. And we all felt that he had a suspicion that he had lung cancer, which, in fact, he did have. So he held off till after Christmas, which gave us that one glorious gift of a final Christmas as a family before we lost both our parents. He was diagnosed the next day, December 26th, and uh, was gone by June or by um, February 6th, 2002. So that death was sort of sudden, but not unexpected. You know, we had that, that six weeks or so to really kind of um, get used to the process of his leaving us and also to say our goodbyes. So that was a great gift. Then, with my mother, uh, she actually had a uh, terminal diagnosis of pulmonary fibrosis, so we knew that we weren't going to have her for too many years. Oh, my goodness, you had them both with the the breathing thing, which is tough. Which makes us wonder about what was going on in our house, by the way, um, because it was two different diseases, but yes, both lung issues. So we were concerned about that, and we believe that the stress, and sorrow and grief of my mother after losing my father certainly did not help her immune system, and she actually did not die of that illness. She died of 
septic infection that she got, and I just don't think her body was up to fighting it. Mm-hmm. So she went into, they, they actually um, intubated her, and she never came out of a coma and died 10, 10 days after that. So that one, that death, you just talked about Mack truck. That, that was a Mack truck death for us because uh, we were still reeling after the death of our dad. And mm-hmm. It was relatively unexpected, so it was hard. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. your father was quite a character, and looking at your book in 10 places, you really get a flavor of what a guy he was, huh? He was. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I've gotten a lot of emails from people who I think grew up in in uh, similar situations with parents like that, and especially uh, a dad with a great sense of humor. The Irish have tremendous wit, as you know, and, and we were the, the beneficiaries of that as well. Now, talk about thin places. What is What are thin places? Well, speaking of Irish, the concept of thin places is a Celtic one. And uh, I've been interested in Celtic spirituality for quite a, quite a while. I've, I'm about 75% Irish. and I've traveled there about five times. And the Celtic concept refers to geographic locations. Thin places are geographic locations. And perhaps your listeners or, or you both have been to places where you've just felt that connection to the divine. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the description is a thin place is somewhere where it's like the veil is very thin between this world and the next. Mm-hmm. So that's the Celtic concept. What I write about and other people write about as well is looking at thin places as those experiences in our life where the veil, the veil is very thin. And as you know... Um, Dying is a thin place, especially if you have a little bit more drawn-out period of time. You'll you'll hear these stories about people communicating with uh, family members or friends who seem to come and greet them, and all sorts of things. And so, also the thin uh, places. And then uh, I remember my son sitting on the steps of our house in the house with my daughter and her friend, and telling them that. Um, that he, if anything happened to him, he knew he was going to a better place. Oh. And that was only days before he was killed. So oh. I think those are the thin places, too. That's exactly right. That's exactly right, Gloria. In fact, I was just looking over some of my stories re, uh, related to children because I know you're so involved with Compassionate Friends, and I had a story similar to that of a little 4-year-old boy who was tragically killed um, right at home in a, in a car accident. But he had been at Vacation Bible School the day before and the day of that accident, and he was creating rainbows. And uh, on one, he had a rainbow where there was a cloud, and then in the cloud it said, God loves uh, Brett. Well, of course, since then, and I'm sure you've heard these stories, the family has had all sorts of stories about rainbows appearing. And the woman wrote me that on uh, June, June 11th, 13 days later to the day that her son died, her grandmother died. And, of course, she's looking then for the rainbow, this woman, and, and there it was. She uh-huh. searches the sky, and there's the beautiful double rainbow. But, yes, there is that kind of, I almost call them pre-death situations where you look back and you think, gosh, you know, wh- we don't know why that happens, but did you find that consoling when that happened, when you thought back about Oh, I, it's kind of amazing. Heidi, do you have any thin place stories or that you've... That I, was, yeah, I was just struck by them when you were talking about, and I remember that, and him saying that if he, he would be at peace, something to the effect that he would be at peace if, it was, if he died, and, and then he went and died. It was, very, it was actually very comforting to think back on, on that story. Well, I was thinking of the thin place, Heidi, when you uh, had a head-on collision and you, mm-hmm. finally, uh, and you realized that it would be all right. 
And you thought you were going to die? Right, yes, it's true. Right, for any of you who've had near-death experiences, I did have a near-death experience, you're right. November of 2004, where I had a head-on collision, and I went in at the very, I kind of was fighting it as the car was coming towards me, but once I hit and went into the light and lost consciousness for a minute, Mm -hmm. I was at peace Mm -hmm. because I kind of made that shift with, okay, it's okay, and I'm going to a place where I'll be reunited with my brother, and I know people, my grandparents, and I'm at peace with that. Mm-hmm. It's when you wake up from the trauma that you're that it's a hard thing, yep. because then you're in the crisis, and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not in a peaceful place. I actually lived through this. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it is. I like that idea of the whole thin place. I haven't heard it referred to that way. Well, and most, most people haven't heard that term except the concept they totally get it. Once you mm-hmm. describe it, and, and you just exactly described that thin place because it's like you just had your foot over on the other side to, to not necessarily die, but to get that feeling of what that was like. Um, and as a spiritual director, you know, we talk a lot about discernment, you know, where is God in this, how do you know this is God, and that feeling of peacefulness is almost always present in those times. So you can be in the worst possible situation, and yet there's that peacefulness, which logically doesn't make sense. So to me, that's that evidence of a thin place. So there's got to be something you know that more I, I, that's got to be comforting for those folks out there whose whose um, family members did die in mm-hmm. in accidents and that kind of thing. To know that, strangely enough, right before there, there's some kind of a, a piece that comes about. What is the new book you're working on? The new book is called "Meant to Be: Do Things Really Happen for a Reason?" Question mark. Mm-hmm. Of course, we can't really answer that question, but what this book is about is it includes the stories well like we were just talking about you know what happens when you sell when you share these thin place stories is people share them back with you mm-hmm. and so what happened after uh, my first book is that i am receiving stories for, um, from people about their own experiences which are wonderful stories just like the one i told you about with the rainbow and so this book is about uh, those times in our life that, that uh, uses the phrase that people so often use, it seemed meant to be, you know, uh, with your brother. It seemed sort of meant to be that he had some kind of intimation, even though he wouldn't have understood that. But uh, so, so that's um, what that's about. And it's different kind of categories, including finding God in the midst of grief, finding God in difficult times, you know, and, and what these stories show you is that we aren't alone during the worst times of our life. So, so you're looking for people to send in stories to you, right? Sure. For the book? Yes, love it. And what's your website? Oh, it's called Mary Tracy, and that's Mary, T-R-E-A-C-Y, MaryTracyOkeefe.com. Great. And so, I was just going to add one more thing. I think sometimes we have to get a little further away from the, the loss before we can kind of wrap our arms around some of these concepts. Yes. Because at first I was very angry, and thinking of something as meant to be was not comforting to me. It would make me more angry. Absolutely. And that's why you have to address uh, these difficult, difficult times. Because, you know, we all read those stories about miracles and and the people that did listen to the voice and didn't run out in the street, you know, that sort of thing. But you're always left thinking, yeah, but what about my son, my brother, my Mom, you know, why did that happen? Well, we can't answer the why, but we can reflect back and find where is the comfort in this whole situation. 
But you're right, it absolutely takes time. And I say go ahead and be angry because we need to feel. That's part of grief, right? That's one of those, those steps. So, Mary, I want to talk to you about, I know you give workshops and things about coping tools. Um, talk about soft belly breathing. Ah, well, we talk about um, different ways to reduce stress and anxiety, and one of the easiest, fastest ways to do that is to simply focus on your breathing. And what's that, because many times, especially when we're anxious or stressed, we, we uh, breathe way up in our chest, and, you know, you have that fast, shallow breathing. Mm -hmm. Soft belly breathing means taking that in and and almost uh, bringing it all the way down to your your tummy, and you could even put your hand on your stomach and feel, you know, your breath going in and out. So put your hand on your stomach right now, audience, and feel yourself breathing in and out from down there because you're right. You breathe up in the chest when you're under stress. What about... And then I get heartburn when I breathe up in the chest. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. Oh, I love that heartburn. Yeah. We get a lot of heartburn connected with this. So what about meditation? And what meditation. does that mean to people? You know, what if I've never meditated. I mean, that's some guru in India or something. What, yeah. what do you, you know? Well, meditation is probably one of the most common stress reduction techniques or mind-body skills. And there's many, many forms, but the simplest way to think about it is to focus, again, on your breathing. And, you know, you might start with that soft belly breathing. And then just notice as you breathe in and you breathe out. And many people like to use a word, you know, like or even a phrase, one, two. You want to turn it into a prayer, you could use a holy word, you know, or you could say something like peace, in and out. And by simply slowing down and being mindful of your breathing, your heart rate slows down, your blood pressure slows down, and it's, it's Absolutely, one of the healthiest things that you can do. I remember uh, when I worked at the in Strong Memorial Hospital as a nurse. There was a guy who had a motorcycle accident, and he was an expert in meditation. Mm-hmm. And he used to laugh. He would try to freak the nurses out. He would drop his blood pressure before, you know, they'd take it, come in once and take it, and then he would go into meditation. Mm-hmm. He could drop his blood pressure like twenty points. Oh my gosh! Uh, I believe that. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. You really saw how meditation can really work. Yeah. And he was in a lot of pain. Wow. So uh, he was able to do a lot with, with that meditation. What about um, managing stress and anxiety? Mm-hmm. Are those the major ways that you'd suggest for folks? Well, I, I think there's so many things that you can do. But uh, in addition to what you do in your own practice, say the breathing or meditation or, or even exercise, I think exercise is tremendous, but another thing that we have found is it's really important to share your story. So, uh, you know, I'm sure you participated or directed facilitated support groups, and we find whether you're dealing with a serious illness or whether you're dealing with grief, it is absolutely invaluable. In fact, uh, the, the story I told you about that was sent to me with the little boy in the rainbow, one of the paragraphs the woman said, was, I'll just tell you, she says, a friend told us about Compassionate Friends, a support group for bereaved parents. They joined a few weeks after the funeral and then found that group to be a lifesaver for them just by sharing their feelings. Well, that, it makes you feel good and calms you down, but there's also a ton of research about physiologically uh, that does strengthen your immune system and it, you have your body response to those opportunities to share with each other. Now, what about... Um People who don't want to go to group. Do you think your father would have gone to group? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. So that's why there's, it's wonderful that there's so many things to do. So for my dad, 
Well, actually, my dad did have some really good friends, and he wouldn't have gone to a group, but what he would have done is call, called one of, well, uh, what I would say, his soul friends, which I'll talk about a little bit in my book, but a soul friend, those very good friends that he had since childhood, and he would talk to that one person. There's no way he would share in a group. For other people, uh, maybe if you have more of an introverted side, then you can express yourself in journaling. The key is that you're learning to express yourself in some way. And you could even, some people, poetry, songs. Uh, You could could tape yourself. You could decide to do your family history and tape it. uh, We find that sometimes uh, the way men express themselves is through work. And, you know, like we had one guy who was building a house and had other guys come and help him. So I'm sure they talk a little, or golfing. I know people that go golfing with friends and probably a little bit seeps out during the course of the Activity, but but they don't maybe stay with it. Heidi's talked about teenagers playing basketball, right, Heidi? Right, and I'm thinking with the golfing. Sometimes people bring go- their golf clubs of the people that they know that have died, their children or their siblings. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, um, yes, yes. I think you, did you write about that somewhere? Or, or just I I know. probably either wrote about it or told about it. I played golf with a guy who had his sons uh, the uh, his club covers of his sons, and he also wore his hat. Oh, can I tell you a little story? A little golf. Story, sure. um, a short one. Uh, friends of mine lost their uh, 20-year-old son to a drowning accident. So, again, that sudden, horrible, horrible, tragic death. A year later on Memorial Day, they're at the funeral. Later that day, his youngest brother is out on the golf course taking along his brother's clubs and um, balls, and this kid uh, has a hole in one. And any golfer knows that is the peak experience. And Absolutely. It's sort of like they've, he thought it was his brother giving him a great gift. Because of all the things this little guy would have wanted. And as he reaches into the hole to pull out the ball, uh, the ball is the name is from his brother's college, St. Olaf College in Minnesota. Uh. And he just got goosebumps and he just wow. got skinny. So absolutely those things are very Indeed. consoling. And they keep the memory alive. That's so absolutely. And, and that's what he had a thin place experience, right? Yep. And he, and he really wanted to share that. That's what's so neat, too, is that when people have these experiences, it's so important for us to affirm those experiences and listen to them and not to think they're weird because that's why people may hesitate on sharing them. They don't, they don't want to be judged for these right. experiences. They're very real. We'll talk a little bit. On the front of your book, you've got a rainbow. It's a lovely cover. Mm-hmm. And uh, tell us about that rainbow. There is a story behind that, and it's one of the, it's one of the first stories in the book. What happened was uh, almost exactly a year after my father died, the night before the first anniversary, my best friend's father was dying, and we talked about that and how sad that would be, and we both decided that if the next day her father died, it would be kind of cool. We'd share that anniversary, and sure enough, he did die that day. Um, so that night, I, I talked to my dad, and a lot of us do talk to our deceased loved ones, mm-hmm. asked if dad would send a sign to her family as we'd gotten these signs, which is shorthand for thin places, to her family. The next day, I'm, I'm going to try to shorten this as much as I can, but the next day I, I did see um, a sun dog, which is like a vertical rainbow. I tried to call my friend because she believes rainbows are signs, as do I, and uh, she wasn't home. So what I did was get my camera, driving around, two sun dogs eventually formed a rainbow, and um, I took a picture of that, And but it was hard to see... Uh, well, there was a sun in the middle of the rainbow, and it was hard to take the picture because the sun was there. And so I actually positioned myself behind a bird feeder and uh, was able to take the picture. Later that day, I showed the, 
the uh, developed picture to my friend, and she said, oh, my goodness, look at this. It's like uh, a Celtic rainbow because the arc of the rainbow around the sun um, with a bird feeder in front of it diffused the picture into this. It was like a sign of a, a cross with a rainbow around it. And it's a wonderful picture, and it is on the front of her book, Thin Places, Where Faith is Affirmed and Hope Dwells. And thank you, Mary Tracy O'Keefe, for being on our show. It's been wonderful having you on. Thank you. And the picture is on my website. If anybody wants to see it, go to marytracyokeefe.com. Great. Thank Thank you you again. Thank you so much. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.